So uh, good morning, welcome to Keep Calm and Carry On. This is a online Q&A hosted by myself from Agency Squared. My name's Andy Bargery, for those that don't know me. And with my good friend, Lena Robinson from FTSQ. And the idea with these sessions is to provide an opportunity for people running agencies to um, get some responses, some thoughts, some ideas around the challenges they might be facing to keep their businesses rolling during the lockdown. Uh, so any question we will try to answer and try and add some value and we are um, recording the session so that we can uh, hopefully if zoom doesn't let us down this time we can share the responses to the broader agency community within agency squared to help them get some value out of it so if you haven't asked a question yet pop it in the chat window that's fine or uh, raise your hand i think you can do in zoom or even just wave at us and you can welcome to ask a question during uh, as well. But we have got about, ooh, about 10 questions here already to get us kicked off that have been submitted in advance. Uh, what we are hoping to do is if you get some value out of this session, then we would encourage you to make a donation to the Big Issue Foundation. Um, those poor blighters obviously haven't got anyone to sell their magazines to right now. So if you get some value out of it, uh, please do go on and make a donation to the Big Issue and... Uh, that would make Lena and I very happy indeed. So on that note, let's kick off with the first question. Um, so Lena, should agencies be hoarding cash to manage their long-term position or should they be spending on marketing right now, as I'm sure we will all be advising our clients to do? Should we spend through the downturn or should we protect the downside and keep our cash in the bank? What's your thoughts? Well, it's a really interesting question, actually, because as anybody knows that's worked with me and the strategies that I've put together with marketing anyway, I'm not really about spending lots of money on doing marketing because it's, it's about being smart. Um, most of the channels and the marketing strategies, Frank and, and Carla both know that, um, that the strategies that I put together are not about throwing lots of cash at things. So uh, I would be using their money as wisely as possible and using marketing channels and using um, content and um, engagement on social media and uh, lead generation and utilising the channels that don't need to use money as much as possible. Um, it's not about throwing money at it, I don't think. It's about being smart. It's about engaging your audiences. Um, interestingly enough, the people that I'm seeing doing it well, and I'm going to jump out of the agency world just for a second, um, those that are following me on social media may have already seen me talking about this. There's an amazing little museum in America at the moment that I found uh, through, through Bored Panda, it's a it's a funny little cowboy museum who did the most amazing thing, which was they got their um, head of security to take over their Seamless. Twitter account and did the most amazing thing and have now got one of the biggest followings globally because they just did something a little bit different and became personable and were smart about the way that they did their mm -hmm. content and became has become almost this bastion of hope 
for everyone around the world that aren't even probably even interested in cowboys or anything. And everybody around the world want, is, is encouraged and feels hopeful and what have you. So you can be smart about just being that, that I guess, bastion of, I don't want to say bastion of hope, but just sort of being that brand as an agency that is positive, is a light of hope for the at the end of the tunnel and is continuing to show that it's not all that bad, that there is something positive out there and that there is things that you can do smartly and cleverly and continue to show the brands that there is positive things that you can do. There are smart things that you can do as a brand and um, I don't think it's about throwing money at it. Okay, so in other words, don't stop marketing, but just be mindful as to where you're spending your cash. Yeah. One of the reasons why why, this museum took off um, was um, the authenticity as well of this security blog. I mean, he really is a security blog. And I think uh, any any marketer who's who who can be authentic um, at the moment, um, yeah, can win sympathies. Yeah, I think authenticity is really important, uh, particularly at the moment, given what's going on. I think on that point as well, in terms of should we be spending or marketing through the lockdown, there was a really good piece in Marketing Week, probably a week or two ago from Professor Mark Ritson, that showed the data, the evidence points around how brands performed after a recession for those that did spend and carried on marketing and those that pulled up the drawbridge and stopped spending. And the performance of those that spent through the recession was significantly better than those that didn't. So if you're talking to clients and looking for ways to convince them not to rein their budgets in, of course they will do anyway to some extent, but if you want to build a case for carrying on doing the activities, the campaigns that you're already engaged in, have a look for those data points, have a look for Mark Ritson's piece because it's quite compelling the difference it makes to carry on marketing through a recession, through a downturn. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember going through the last one and the statistics that came out of the back of the last recession was really interesting. Um, Can you guys... Sorry, can you guys please put yourselves on mute for a little bit? Um, One of the things that came out of the back of the last recession was um, the fact that if those brands that do stop uh, their marketing altogether or they reduce their budgets, the financial impact that that had on their brands coming out the other end compared to those that at least carried on doing what they did or had a... um, uh, yeah, at least carried on doing what they were doing or didn't reduce as much as their competitors, they did so much better. The impact was mm-hmm. so much less financially on their um, profit coming out the other end. But it's not just that. It's not just the financial impact. Um, it's also the impact on the brand. It's the impact on the relationship between the brand and its consumers. and that applies to an agency and its um, clients and the agency and its um, uh, relationship with its customers. And I think the thing that you need to remember is that what might seem like a small amount of time, and this is what I've learned over my years of marketing for agencies, is that 
what might seem like a, a small amount of time on a pipeline not happening for an agency, it might be a couple of weeks, it might be a few months, can take actually a good, say for example, you stop working on your marketing for a month, it, what the impact on a pipeline is probably six months to a year. Yeah, absolutely. There's the a lag. There's so a lag. it might be short term, but actually the impact is actually quite long. So that's yeah. the thing that you've got to consider. And it's, for me at the moment, the thing you should be focusing on is being helpful and being present as opposed to selling shit at people. <laughs> so Lena, that actually leads on to a connected question from Carla here. If brands and us as agencies should continue marketing, which makes sense, what tone should be adopted through this? What tone should be adopted? Um, this is a really interesting one. I had a conversation with somebody about this the other day. I think, and, and it comes back to Frank's point, just be yourselves. I think the tone is um, don't try and be something that you're not all of a sudden Yeah. for a start. Um, if you haven't been engaging with your clients and then all of a sudden you start engaging with them and you start talking about community and all this sort of stuff, they're going to think, well, where the hell did that come from? Why are you all of a sudden talking about community? You've never talked about that before. What the fuck? You know, sorry, anybody that doesn't know me, everybody knows me, I think. Um, I swear. Um, they're going to wonder what the hell is going on. So just don't pretend you're something that you're not for a start. Carry on being who you are. Um, I think the tonality is not about selling stuff at people at the moment. It's about being helpful. It's about being advisory. But to be honest, in my view, an agency should always be about being helpful and being advisory anyway. Totally agree. Um, I think the tonality should be supportive. I think the tonality should be informative. And do you know what? Maybe, maybe a little bit lighthearted so that everything's depressing at the moment. Maybe there's a little bit of, let's put a little bit of joy back into them. Everybody is looking for that. That for me is why um, the, the agencies that I am seeing doing well out there at the moment are the ones that are either providing um, good advice or they're giving a little bit of joy and lightheartedness out there. But I also think that is the key to why um, Board Panda is doing really well with the information that they're giving out and it's fun and it's interesting I'm loving it and I think it's also why the museum guys did really well um, it, he's bringing joy and I think something joyful and fun and interesting um, I know that what Whippet is doing, Carla, you asked that question, carry on with your tone the Whippet tone is always good, just carry on being you I think that's, a, that's, again, I'm going to go back to Mark Ritson, a bit of a, a Mark Ritson love-in recently. He was talking about brands that adapted and started to, to show empty streets and talk about community and how we love our people. And I think he called it um, COVID wank branding or something along those lines. Oh. People are changing to adapt to COVID and, and losing what they're, what they're really all about, not focusing on being authentic and having their own tone of voice and being themselves. Um, and that's not going to work, not for brands, and it's not going to work for agencies either. You know, you've got to live up no. to your existing brand values. A really good a good mate of mine, which some of you guys may or may not have come across, Minter Dial, he is a, um, 
a, a guy that's on the speaker circuit with marketing and, and digital marketing and things to do with AI and specifically he speaks a lot about empathy and um, he wrote a piece just as the COVID thing was kicking off specifically about this this point actually about he'd received a whole lot of marketing materials where brands that had never been in contact with him before all of a sudden were were emailing him about oh hello community don't worry it's all gonna be okay and he was sitting there going what a load of crap this is they've never been in contact with me they're all of a sudden talking about community how disingenuous is this and they did more damage than good so i think yeah i think the uh being genuine is probably going to be the thing that you need Perfect. I think now is the time to kind of work on your brand as an agency, your brand positioning. How do we invest in the way we are presenting ourselves to the marketplace? And that's interesting because, um, Lena, you and I had a good chat about this yesterday. Yeah. You know, how do you, it's kind of my next question, really. Um, you know, what is it we can do as agencies? What are the levers we can pull to help us establish a differentiated position in the marketplace? How can we make ourselves stand out? And part of the context of that question is we were talking about agency squared, but also in my work, I spend a lot of time helping clients to find and appoint agencies. And when we engage with agencies, it's amazing how similar all agencies look, all say the same kind of things, all present them in the same sort of way. You know, a creds deck from one agency looks very similar to a creds deck from another agency. Um, so there's the question for you, Lena. How can, what are the kind of core levers, levers we can pull as agencies to differentiate ourselves in a, a really crowded and now ultra-competitive marketplace? Oh, this is my heart, Ian. This is, um... <laughs> You've only got like five or ten minutes, Lena, so, you know, <laughs> I know this could be a whole session. Uh, well, uh, both... both uh, um... Frank and Carla as uh, clients of mine have both been been uh, bashed over the head with this one. Um, it, it's pretty simple. It's it's get to the get to the heart of why your agency exists. What makes it what makes it different to everybody else? Don't say the same old things as everybody else. Which is we're a, you know we're crap full we're, service uh, creative award winning blah blah bollocks shit. Yeah. everybody sees the same old crap you've got to get to the heart of what what what's what's the driver what's the um, what's the reason it, it it exists and having worked with both of them we got to the heartlands of why they you know really stood out and i can tell you now that I've had, I've been challenged on this by a few agencies owners in the past, going, "Yeah, but you know, is there really any differentiation?" And I am yet to find an agency, no matter what discipline it is, when you talk to the original founders, I am yet to find an agency that doesn't have something that separates it from the next one. Mm. There is always something, and it comes back to the emotional thing because people buy emotionally first and then they post-rationalise later with logic. It's how psychologically people buy things. And the differentiator is something emotional always. I mean, you and I talked about this yesterday about your business and your positioning and what separates it out. And it's more difficult, I think, 
and it's, it has been more difficult for me to find this with agencies where the founders are no longer there. It is, it is more difficult because it's the founders that set it up and it's reason for being set up in the first place, which is usually where you find that heart. But it's always the reason why it exists and Simon Sinek's purpose and why. And I'm not talking social purpose. I'm talking its reason for existence mm-hmm. is the reason why it exists. Is is where your differentiation comes into play, and differentiation is not um, anything to do with discipline necessarily. So for me, very simply, my business, which is business consultant, it's a business consultancy. They much like each other, you know. One business consultancy is the same as the next. What I offer is technically the same as everybody else. What separates is is one thing. My heartland is I love working with weirdos, unorthodox, odd people. Sorry, Frank and, and uh, Carla, but you're a bloody weird and I love you. Um, nonconformists. I love nonconformists because they're unusual and they're different and they're quirky and I love fighting for them because that's where my heart lies and it's where it's always laid. Mm. And that is what separates my business separately. And that's where you find the heartland for any positioning in any agency and any brand. Yeah, and I think you demonstrated that there in terms of that passion for working with outliers uh, or the weirdos, as you call them. Uh, them. It obviously came across and it comes across in your branding, you know. So it's about knowing who you're providing your service for, I guess, as well. So Yeah, and why that matters to you. Yeah. One of the things I see quite a lot in agencies is that you try to be all things to all people. We're a yeah, PR agency. Never, ever, yeah. ever do that. Exactly. And, and then that's kind of, from my point of view, looking to hire agencies, that's the kind of beginning of the end because I don't want to hire an agency that can look after everybody. I want to hire an agency that can solve my specific challenges for my, uh, my sector, my role, my world. Um, so... You know, where is your core focus? Where's your specialism? And how do you double down on that right now to say you can own that particular uh, piece of the agency landscape? You know, we're a PR agency that just works with food brands that do um, a particular kind of food and drink, for example. You know, really own a space and become that trusted expert or authority in that area. I think right now is going to help you in that uh, differentiation as well. I think that's a second tier of it, though. Agreed. I think that's not the first tier. I think there's a deeper layer than that because because there will still be people in that pool that are still, um, if you laid them all out against each other, you're still not differentiated enough. In my view, you need to get go a layer deeper than that. I mean, otherwise, for Carla's business, there would still be a lot of players, for example, in the retail space, you need to go a, a layer deeper. Mm-hmm. The same with Frank's business. There ne- you know, there needs to be a layer deeper than that. Okay. Otherwise, you're still just playing in retail. You're still just playing in content. But for those two businesses, we were able to differentiate them deeper than that. So Makes for me, sense. that's not enough. Last question from me, Lena, and then we'll move on to those that have come in from the audience. Uh, something I saw this morning, I think it was on DigiDay, around clients extending their payment terms. What sort of advice have you got for agencies who have clients knocking on their door and saying, we can't pay in 30 days or 60 days, it's got to be 90 days or even longer? Mm. How would you handle those in a t- 
typical Lena fashion. <laughs> yeah. In a typical Lena fashion. So this is an interest this is an interesting one because um I'm usually pretty tough on my payment terms, actually. Um, I'm pretty blunt on those and the reason for that is I'm a small business, but we're in tough times and everybody's facing tough times. So my my view my view on that is this. Never just never just assume that you have to take what your client says automatically. It's a negotiation. If it's a big organization, don't just you know, if you're if you're dealing with a big client and they just tell you that 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 they're extending their payment date, don't just take it lying down. Mm-hmm. That you know, you have to talk to them about it. It's a discussion. It's not just a dictate. You know, they they shouldn't be allowed to just dictate what's about to happen. That they there are contracts in place. There are discussions that need to be had. I think too many agencies just take it. And my view on it is it needs to be a discussion, not a di- not dictated. I think I think you need to stand up for yourselves, agencies, and not just take it lying down. But don't be rude about it. I think have a discussion about it would be my take on it. I've seen too many agencies just lie down and go, oh, yes, sir, which I don't think should be the case. I think it needs to be discussed. Would be my I didn't know. Um an interesting conversation on a podcast recently with a guy who used to be in procurement buying um, agency services for brands. And we were talking more about how to negotiate with procurement. Uh, and I think this would be a procurement-led exercise to extend those payment terms. And the point he made off it was really interesting. He said, everyone that works in procurement is a trained negotiator. So everything is a negotiation. So they are coming to you to say, it's got to be 90 days but they're phrasing it in such a way that you think, all oh, right, it's got to be 90 days, I'll accept 90 days. But it's a point of negotiation. It's like when you go through procurement to negotiate a contract. Just because they say to you, here's the contract, sign it, take it or leave it, doesn't mean that's the case. You still have the opportunity to negotiate with those guys or girls, and they are just trained negotiators. So yeah. you say, Lena, there, it's not uh, it's not being dictated to you. You do have the opportunity to say. Well, the interesting thing is, is that they don't try and do that with the energy companies, do they? With the energy companies, okay. So if they so if they own if they if they have to pay their their electric bill, they still pay it, don't they? They pay it on time. Mm. They never question it. They pay it. So here's the interesting thing, and I was, uh, there's an interesting story on that. You know, oh. I, I um, have at the moment uh, a, a personal uh, bill that I'm having a fight with EDF Energy. It turns out that they, um, you know, uh, have put in a smart meter in my flat, and it looks like they are charging me for day and night rates on all of the day rate and because it's COVID-19 they won't send out a person they're charging me nearly 250 pounds a month for a tiny little flat which is nearly double the amount in my flat it's almost all the money I've got left over every it's ridiculous amount of money anyway we won't talk about that they will not 
not allow me to pay that bill. I've got to go into some kind of debt management situation, crappy, shitty situation. Now, how on earth... I can't negotiate that situation, right? So how, you know, how on earth can... uh, a company like uh, a client, they won't be negotiation, negotiating anything with those EDF energies or those power companies either. So, you know, we know for a fact that they say that there's policies in place and all the rest of it. Somehow those are getting bypassed for those kinds of situations. So why is it that for agencies... There aren't bullshit that there's policies in place. It's just crap. It's just rubbish. So, and I know for a fact that when I've dealt with big organisations that have wanted to hire me and they tell me that there's 90 days when in my my terms of business, um, I have either seven days, 14 days, or at most 30 days for my um payment terms at absolute most for my retained clients right and if they try and tell me that that's not how they do it I said that's fine then we won't work together end of story amazing how quickly it turns they go oh 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 okay I'm particularly tough on things like that and it's my business so I can do that and I'm not saying everybody's going to be as tough as me but I'm willing to walk away from people well, I think that's the point, isn't it? I suppose. What's your strength, your position of strength in that negotiation? You know, are you willing to walk? You're in a, more of a you, you. I think, and I got told this once by the head of procurement at WPP, and he did tell me they are taught to make you feel like that. Mm-hmm. The procurement people, they are taught to put you on the back foot, and he said they are never in as much power as they make you think they have Mm. so he did say learn to challenge them definitely okay let's move on let's move on so the the next question then comes from julian at elbow creative who's now paying attention good so julian's question is how do you gauge the right level engagement with the local business community i guess particularly now whilst we're in lockdown how do you make sure you're engaging it correctly is that right julian something like that do you want me to explain that Yeah, just a little bit. So we've got, you know, like all businesses, we, you know, our reach is wide and and also very short as well. And we make particular attention to uh, talk locally. And we, you know, some of this is really good stuff because it goes back to what you've already covered. So we support local businesses with reduced rates, you know, for particularly small or micro businesses. And I'm talking about here in East London in Walthamstow, E17. But we also give a lot of our time to local organisations pro bono, so local COC, CICs or charities. So we've got quite a good presence locally. Um, but also around that, there's a lot of noise, people, you, you, you know, around COVID. And so there's a lot of noise with marketing, but also there's an opportunity there for us that I also recognise. But, but I think you may already have answered this question with what you and Lena have talked about earlier around how you talk to people through your social media about being authentic being helpful supportive so 
he may actually already have covered this off, if I'm honest, from what I've already heard. Well, that's good. We've inadvertently answered your question. So that's... I think so. <laughs> but it's still a little bit about, I'm still a little bit, my confidence has been knocked about frequency, if I'm honest, about you know how much you really pound people with, knowing that resources are really light and people are holding on to holding on to their their purses as well so it's it's about i think for us you know craig and i talk a lot about judging the moment where when's that confidence what are the signs around that confidence starting to return where people want to start buying services so what do you think lena how much should you engage those local communities that haven't got deep pockets but still need the support of a creative agency like elbow i think it's going to depend on what challenge uh, it's going to depend on the channel so if you're talking about social media, then I would say that stick to the normal um, percentages of your normal social media. Um, if your engagement has, um, particularly at the moment, it should be the normal 70-30 um, rule, which is 70% of your, in fact, it should probably be a little bit higher than that. So 70%, the normal rule is 70% of your social media should be about sort of just engagement and entertainment and fun, interesting things and um, education and all that kind of thing. And usually only about 30% should be any kind of salesy kind of about your business, right? At the moment, I'd be ratcheting that up even higher because trying to sell shit at people, at the, sorry, shit, that's the wrong word. It's trying to sell your stuff, products, services, whatever at the moment um, is going to probably be an overkill for people at the moment. So just staying engaged is probably going to be that your number one frequency on social media should probably stay about the same. Okay. I wouldn't adjust that unless you've been under marketing yourselves. So keep your frequency about the same on social media. Don't disappear. Don't minimise it. Keep it about the same so that your presence is staying similar. Um, If you're talking about email, I think um, email's going to be a little bit more of a difficult one because you've got um, prospects and clients you're going to have clients and prospects being furloughed you don't know who's there and who's not um you're going to have people that have been let go you don't know who's there and who's not from that perspective um i think it's a little bit more it's definitely more delicate on the content so i think it's going to depend on what's in the content so if the content is things like um helpful webinars things similar to what we've been doing today then you know i wouldn't be definitely don't be sending stuff every day i would be doing things generally like you in the same way you would market any kind of event if it's an online event do it in the same similar type of manner you know in the a few weeks ahead or what have you and then getting closer to the time do it in the week following and then a couple of days before that kind of thing but if you're again depending on what you're trying to market I wouldn't be pushing too hard on the trying to sell stuff 
Yeah, go back to that idea that now is a good time to be doing brand-based marketing, building your positioning, and less about transactional performance-based marketing. Yeah. Less about trying to get leads into your pipeline and more about securing your position as that trusted local advisor, that local partner that can help if you're a charity in E17, for example. Yeah. If the good thing is, is that about the good thing about B2B marketing is that if they're in the mood for buying, they'll buy for you from you anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like they'll get it if they're ready to purchase something and you've been the one that's been there for them throughout all of this, either when they're getting closer, and you know, Andy's noticed this, people are still putting RFPs out yeah. and RFIs and pitches are still going on. I've noticed that with some of my clients as well. You know, things are still going on. Pitches are still happening. Processes are still going on. I've been putting out proposals. You know, st stuff is still happening. If you're top of mind, if you're still out there, if you've been the person or the business that has been providing ideas and providing um, uh, thinking and providing uh, advice with it, you know, and you've been the one that's kept popping up in their inbox or on their social media or what have you, you are going to be the person that when they are ready, they're going to go to, to you anyway. Yeah, totally agree. It's about maintaining that position, that share of voice, I suppose, to make sure people, yeah. when they're ready to switch on the, their spending, they come back to you. Just on your point there, Lena, as well, things are definitely still happening. And what I'm finding in terms of inquiries coming in is it's the projects that people have been putting on hold because they've been too busy that they're now looking at. So it's the website that needs updating that hasn't been done because they've been servicing clients. It's the... It's the review of customer journeys to help you sharpen up that the processes around customer journeys and CRMs and things that haven't been done because you've been too busy servicing clients. These are the kind of projects I'm seeing coming up at the moment. And also um, from companies that aren't so um, reliant on a healthy economy. So by companies, I mean organizations. So we've got three briefs on at the moment with a local authority that wants some marketing support. So it's quite interesting that the customer base is sort of moved slightly and I'm focusing on trying to find people that can service clients that uh, aren't necessarily in those traditionally sexy industries, I suppose. I mean, one of the things that you could potentially do, and of course you'll, you'll have to be careful about how you do it, is sometimes you'll have had um, existing client projects that have kept being put off or shoved to the side because the client's been too busy on other projects, but maybe because things have quietened down for them for them a little bit, you can have a chat to them and say, you know that project that's kept being put off, mm. have we maybe got time to start planning for that now? And can we start having a look at that? Do you want to have a look at that? Or is it just not the right time still? Because I've got a little bit more time. You've got a little bit more time. Is it worth us having a look at that at the moment? So it might start, even if they don't want to necessarily start it right now, it might start a seed in their brain to start having a little bit of look at things. So it might be quite good for your organic growth right now. Hopefully, Julian, that gave you some additional thoughts on your question there. Yeah, it did. I mean, just uh, as a side note, one of our uh, clients, which is a national care home client, 
uh, wanted to shelve a project uh, because the, and it was about a printed magazine and we swerved it in a different direction. They were going to hold put it on hold and we swerved it to an online digital only and they kept cracked on with it. Oh, it yeah. affected it affected it didn't affect us in any way they just saved a bunch of print money and um uh, but we've just going online with it okay well done thanks julian all right thanks for that that leads on quite nicely to the next question which is uh i own a higher end video production company what is the best way to secure long-term content content creation contracts with large brands who may already have something similar in place. So if you're a challenger agency, how do you get onto the books of a large brand um, where there's an incumbent agency from a lead generation point of view? Ooh. Another massive question, Lena, you could riff <laughs> on for ages, I'm sure. <laughs> Chuck it my way. Um, <laughs> okay. Not an easy, not, not a simple question to answer in a, in a, in a quick thing. Um, Okay, so first of all, you need to figure out uh, what your prospecting, perfect prospect looks like. So don't try and go after everybody. Yeah. Go after the kinds of people that are more likely to say yes and suit your challenger brand. So, for example, um, a big, massive... Uh, a big, massive, very corporate brand is less likely to go for a challenger brand. as a Okay, so here's an example. Um, British Gas is less likely to go for a challenger brand, whereas Octopus Energy is more likely to go for a challenger brand. So I would be, if you were looking at brands and you were trying to put your list together of who you're going to go after, as a challenger brand, I would be going after Octopus Energy as opposed to them for a start. So when you're hunting down and deciding who you put on your list, you start to you need to start looking at who's more likely to be a who's more likely to like you over the their incumbent mm. for a start. Um, then once you've put your and this is simplifying it, obviously. Once you, and who's more likely to say yes, once you've got your list together, then you need to start doing some in-depth research into um, the individual businesses. So personally, I think if you're a small business, you need to split out your list into golds, silvers, and bronzes so that you're not just blanket marketing to your entire list. And then once once you, and you do that based on, you know, um, a number of things. You can do it based on uh, turnover, but you also do it based on, um, uh, like I said, um, cultural fit. And this takes a little bit of research and so forth. Um, but you can also look at, you know, um, how often do they... Uh, change agencies so if they're not changing agencies very often then it might make it a little bit tougher and there's a whole lot of other things that you can look at but once you figure out uh, where your energies need to be focused then you really do need to do some um, research into each of uh, your brands and with your goals, you can proactively do almost like a 
a piece of research onto each of the sort of maybe three or four of the brands and proactively almost pitch to them specifically having done some in-depth research into that brand and proactively pitch to them an idea some thinking or ideas about what you could do specifically for them as your offering, rather than just going, hello, look at us, we're amazing and we do amazing work and just send your creds off. That is not a good enough approach. Um, it's but, not but enough. It, it definitely wouldn't work. It wouldn't because... work, wouldn't cut through. What no. you need to have done is shown that you've looked into the brand, their business, got an understanding of what challenges that they might be facing and come up with not necessarily the whole solution, but a bit of an idea of gone, we've kind of looked at your business. We've had a, we've, we've seen that you might have a few things going on and we've come up with a bit of an idea, almost like you would as if you were pitching to them and go, we've had a bit of an idea. Here's the idea. And it might not, give you give them all the answers but when you pick up a phone to talk to them about what you've just sent them it give it's about opening the door to at least having a conversation with them rather than just sending them something and thinking they're gonna hope for the best and you know totally kind of thing i think that's a really difficult question to answer on this kind of call it is but it's 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 a much longer it's a really good response, Lena. It's about trying to engage with the agencies that you think are most are the right fit for you as an agency, or the clients, sorry, that are the right fit for you as an agency, and then giving them a reason to talk to you based on some research you've done and, yeah. and a challenge or an opportunity you've observed around that client. So I think it's most like, people put a wish list together based on who they want, and it yeah. should never be about that. Flip it around, the list should be about who's likely to say yes. Perfect. Okay. Okay, we're getting a bit short on time, Lena. We've been talking too much, I think, around BizDev. So let's um, let's move on to a question from Kezia. Do you think brands will be too scared to do anything for the rest of this year? Do you think brands will be too scared to do anything for the rest of this year? I think it's a, a combo- I think it's a yes and a no. I think it's going to depend on the brand. Mm. I think. Some brands are carrying on. Um, I think it's going to depend who their leaders are. Um, I think some brands are going to be shit scared. I think it depends on the industry. Um, I think nobody knows what the future looks like at the moment. Nobody, nobody's been through this. I mean, nothing's looked like this since the bloody war. It's weird. Everything's weird at the moment, but I think, yeah, I think to blanket answer this would be wrong. There is no blanket answer. I think there are going to be brands that are going to be scared and there are going to be brands that are going to go, bring it on. (laughs) There's an opportunity here to step out from everybody else because everybody else is scared. Like for me, I'm excited going to be coming, well, for two reasons. One, I've been off sick for nearly a year so properly, so I'm quite excited for getting out there again and actually getting my business up and going properly again, so I'm quite excited. But I think I've also talked to other business owners that are like, do you know what, like, 
I'm getting up there and I'm getting out there and I'm looking forward to getting out the other end of this. And I think there are other people that I've talked to that are panicking and not sure what they're doing and what have you. So I don't think there is one stock standard answer would be my view on this. I don't think there is either. And I think you're right there. Different brands will behave differently. But if we look back at the research and those that have seen the research around spending and carrying on their activities in marketing through a recession, they're the kind of clients we want to be engaging with, right? Because they're going to come out, they'll spend now and they'll come out with, with more to do in future as well. So I think, you know, look for those brands that we think have got courage and hopefully we're already engaging with those. Hopefully we've got pipelines full of contacts. That yeah. we can, yeah. I think that I think the natural challenger brands will have risen to the occasion because that's just what's at the heart of their brands. I mean, yeah. Cool. Okay, next question then. And this is from Susie. Is there anything I can do now to be of service to agencies and clients? When should I start to think about marketing and introductions? So what should we be doing and when, I guess, is the question, Susie. Should we be marketing to our prospects now? Definitely. Can I just say? Oh, Go on, Susie. (laughs) So I wrote that before uh, Lena and I spoke yesterday, just to say, so Lena. (laughs) (laughs) So that was all. Um, Yeah. Thanks, Susie. That's cool. So we had a we had a chat yesterday um, about this. So I think we we talked more about the fact that yeah, there's there's definitely pretty much what we talked about earlier actually about the fact that it's more about just um, sort of getting in. Uh, we we specifically talked about. Um, uh, Susie's um, brand actually which is about um, moments of joy and which I think all brands should be doing something lovely and keeping in contact and and continuing to um, communicate and um, being positive and and marketing in a way that is about keeping in contact going through this recession and not trying to market at people um, which is pretty much what we had already talked about earlier anyway. So, um, yeah, I think we've pr- pretty much answered that question anyway. I think the doing um, anything you can do of service is, I think, just, just maintaining um, contact with people, I think, is the best thing to do at this present time. I think... Um, starting to build up agency relationships and things, I think, is continuing to do that. Susie, I think, is the best thing for you to do and just get to know them better. I think it kind of builds on what we've talked about quite a lot through this session, actually, is the idea that um, we shouldn't be stopping what we're doing marketing-wise, whether it's marketing to agencies or marketing to clients. We need to carry on. We need to focus on building our brand. We need to focus on maintaining relationships. So I think, Susie, don't stop. Um, keep doing what you're doing even if right now you can't get out and do physical shoots you still need to build that pipeline because as Lena was talking about earlier there's a lag you know if you wait two weeks now you might not feel that pain for another six seven eight months but by then you'll be miles behind in terms of keeping your pipeline going so 
don't think that at any time you should ever stop trying to build your pipeline because the um, the cost of doing that is just it, it it hits you much further down the line. So keep doing your prospecting, keep adding value, keep building your brand around what you're doing in your space. And I think um, doing what you're doing by engaging in the agency community because you're wanting to, um, just in case everybody doesn't know, um, Susanna is an amazing um, photographer and wants to engage um, more with um, agencies to work with them um, in, with any of the clients that they've got. So um, uh, I've been working with uh, Susanna as a consultant for a little while now um, and I'd suggested that she work with um, uh, Agency Squared and Andy on work um, being introduced more to the agency world. So that's why um, I suggest that she get involved in, in things like this webinar, which I think is the right thing for her to do and get to understand from the inside what it's like to work with agencies a bit more. So I think just doing things like this, Susie, is a really good way for you to continue to engage with with the community of agencies and, and truly understand the ins and outs of the agency world. I think it's the right thing for you to be doing. Sure. Okay, let's move on. Next question comes from Carla. How do you think agency leadership should change or adapt through this crisis? Oh, that's a really good one. <laughs> um, I know we're running out of time as well, so we might have to get a quick question. Sorry. No, just... that's no, that's cool. I think I think there's a couple of things. I think um, I think infrastructures are going to um, uh, all already changing. They've had to change because everybody's having to work from home. I think those. Those um, those agency owners that were too worried about um, people working from home because maybe they might not do all their work, they're starting to realise that their worries were unfounded, um, that people are just getting on with it and working, um, that there are ways and means of working around things that they they thought might not be able to be done. I think there's a realisation that um, there is a way that you can do these things, um, that actually holding on so tight might not be as necessary as um, once thought. Um, I think leadership generally, not just an agency, but across the board is going to change for forever. I think um, offices. I was talking to a friend of mine that works for Shell uh, Oil the other day, and he, you know, they're currently in a 21 floor building, and he said he doesn't think we're going to need to go back to that ever. Um, he said they probably would only even need to go back to maybe six or seven floors, um, which he thinks is about time. You know, he said it's completely unnecessarily that they have to have that many floors. So will there be more buildings in general that don't have to be that full anymore? I don't know. I mean, is the whole world going to change? I would say that infrastructures, um, logistics, just generally leadership is just going to have to change. I think um, 
I would say that the agencies and client infrastructures and leadership and everything are probably going to all be very different. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, and a good example is a client of mine is a team of about 60 people and they have an office space um, not too far away from London Bridge. And the, the senior, the CEO, the senior leader decided that flexible working, work from home wasn't an option, just wouldn't allow it. And of course, the last five weeks of lockdown hasn't had any other opportunity or option. So all of their team now works remotely and it's changed the business case. Um, so what are they going to do next? Are they going to take on the extra floor space in their offices they thought they needed? Or are they now going to innovate and create more flexible office working? And I think what's good about that example, that leadership, is that um, the leader of that business has been open to being flexible and working around the situation and learn from that to help support their ongoing um, operations. So I think it's being a little bit uh, open to you know, being flexible, but being brave as well. Now, that's yeah. a very fundamental shift to a person that has completely forbidden working from home previously. And now that's all that they're going to be doing. That's a huge shift. So how do you as the leader make sure that you engage those people working remotely, get the best out of them? Um, how do you manage people in that environment if that's not what you're used to doing? So I think leadership's got a big challenge whether you're a five person 10 60 100 person team whatever that looks like the likelihood is that you're going to have to inspire people to do things in a different way so you're going to have to look at your leadership style your communication style how do you uh, engage people uh, remotely yep I hope that went some way to answering your question, Carla. The thumbs up suggests we did something good there. Okay. All right. So then as we're coming towards the end of the session, I think we've got the last question here. I've managed to squeeze them all in. This is from Claire uh, Williamson, who runs a PR agency. How will this crisis reshape the agency model, if at all? How will the agency model be reshaped by coronavirus and the lockdown? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> 60 seconds, Lena. There's a challenge for you. I'm not sure if... Oh, I'm going to say something really controversial. I'm not sure if it will. I don't think it will either. And, and part of me, I'll give you an except example. Maybe inf- except maybe what we just talked about. Yeah, apart from the, the, the physical infrastructure, perhaps. Yeah. When we went through the last... Um, big recession which came after the credit crunch in 2008 we saw a lot of agencies senior agency staffers um setting up on their own becoming freelancers moving away from those established big agencies uh, and thinking that that was a way that they could attract clients by working flexibly in that way and to some extent that definitely happened and people um did engage with that new agency model but it didn't take too long for it to fall back into the new the, the, the previous norm you know big clients like to work with big agencies and so on and so forth we align with the kind of businesses that we're in to who we want to work with and so there'll always be a place for those established agencies and those ways of doing business um, even if right now we can't get in a meeting room we're making it work um, through tools like zoom for example um, so i think that the agency model might shift a little bit whilst we go through the pain of the recession but i think in no time at all it'll drop back to the way it has always worked because as an industry there are things that we do really really well we service clients we do great creative etc cetera, etc cetera, and that's not going to change there'll always be that need um so I, i'm with you lena i think we'll see some short-term pain but i think it will go back to the way 
it always has been. Yeah, I mean, it was a funny. It was funny when I was thinking about this before, and I was like, "Is it going to change?" Yeah, maybe a little bit more of the crap might disappear. Don't know. <laughs> On that note, I think we should wrap it up because we've got <laughs> to the end of the hour. Um, so let's all hope that some of the crap disappears as the agency world rebounds after coronavirus and lockdown. Um, so thank you very much, everyone that has joined us this morning and posed a question. I hope that you got some value out of it. If you did, I would love it, as would Lena, if you would jump on to um, the Big Issue Foundation and make a donation of whatever size. Um, if you do, please just put the hashtag agency calm in the reason why you've made the donation so we can track to see whether we've raised any money doing these webinars, which would make us very happy. Um, thank um, you again for joining us. Go ahead, Lena. Carla's just asked for us to send around the donation link, so we might just do that as well, yeah. We'll, we'll send it around in the follow-up afterwards, so you'll get that donation link. Um, if you would like to see the recording, it'll be in, assuming Zoom it doesn't let us down this time, it will be in the Agency Squared Facebook community group, group page. So if you aren't a part of that group yet, just look up Facebook dot com forward slash groups forward slash agency squared and I'll let you straight in and you'll be able to find the recording just as soon as we've had it processed by Zoom. Um, so that's it from us. I think Lena, anything else to add? No, just thank you very much um, everybody for participating and um, yeah, good luck with everything and um, continue to stay safe out there. Yeah. Hopefully see you all soon.